Well, toward the end of last year, there was a 66-year-old woman in Iowa who was checked into the Glen Oaks Special Care Center for Alzheimer's patients. And this woman was, was checked in and she was doing okay, but as we came into this year, her health started to deteriorate rapidly to the point that on January 3rd, just recently, they pronounced her dead. There was no signs of life. She wasn't breathing. So they notified her family and they contacted the funeral home. Later on that evening at 7.38 p.m., the funeral director and a nurse put this woman's lifeless body into a body bag and zipped it shut. They take her to the funeral home, and later that night around 8.30 p.m., they unzip the body bag and find this woman's chest moving up and down. She gasped for air, and she's still alive. They called 911. The medical personnel rush over there and they see that she has a pulse. She's breathing. And so they rush her back to the care center where she goes on to live a couple more days before she eventually passes away surrounded by her loved ones. Now, when I first heard that story, I was like, that is so creepy, right? Can you imagine waking up inside a body bag? I mean, they gave up on you. They thought you were dead and you wake up and, and you're inside a body bag. I mean, how, how crazy is that? And I was thinking, how do the workers react to that? Like, how do you recover? Do you just look at the family and say, my bad, I'm sorry, my mistake. Like, you can't recover from that. You just put a live person inside a body bag and they were still alive. I mean, this, this is crazy, right? And whenever we hear about death to life, it's shocking and it makes headlines. And here on Easter Sunday, we're celebrating a resurrected Savior that went from death to life. But perhaps what's even more shocking than that event in history was who Jesus was and what he said when he was alive. For example, in John chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus proclaimed, it said, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. He didn't just predict that he would resurrect from the grave, which he did do. He predicted his death and resurrection, and then it happened. Not only did he predict an event, he said, I am the resurrection. Jesus says, I am the life. We do not follow a historical event. It did happen in a time and a place, but we follow a person, not an event. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection. I am the life. And not only did he predict his resurrection, he said he has that resurrection power available for us to renew us, to restore us, and to raise us to eternal life one day. Ephesians chapter one, God's word says this in verse 19, so good. It says, in his incomparably great power for us who believe, that power is the same. Come on, help me preach today and say same power. Yeah, come on, say same power. That's right. That same power, that mighty strength that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. I, I, I love that. It's the, it's the power of, of Jesus. That power that raised him from death to life is available to you and I today. Jesus has resurrection power for us and that same power, come on, say same power. You know, that, that same power is available to us today, here and now. And I've titled this Easter message, It's Not Over. It's not over because I know there's some things in your life that maybe you've given up on. 
Maybe you've given up on yourself. Maybe you've given up on your faith. Maybe you feel like God's given up on you. Look, it's not over. And that same power that brought the dead back to life has power to resurrect us, not only into eternal life when we die, but power to resurrect the dead things in our life here and now. Well, I wanna talk to you today about a story that happened all around the resurrection. Part of the story happened before Jesus was executed on the cross. Part of it happened after. It's a story about one of his closest friends while he was here on earth, and his name is Peter. And I think we're gonna see the resurrection story a little bit different today as we see it through the lens of Peter's experience before, during, and after the resurrection. And so we're gonna pick up the story today. If you wanna power your Bible on in Luke chapter 22, uh, where I'm going to begin this story is kind of in the middle of it. I don't have time to share the whole story with you. I, I encourage you to read it. But what happens here is that Jesus tells Peter, because Jesus is God, he's outside of time, he knows what's going to happen. And he, he tells Peter, he says, hey, you're going to deny me. When I'm arrested, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. And he tells Peter this, and Peter says, no way, there's not a chance. I, I'm with you, heart and soul. I'll die for you, whatever it takes. I'm not going to deny you. Well, as Jesus is arrested and all his followers run for their lives, Peter denies Jesus twice. And then we're going to pick up the story right before this third time in Luke chapter 22, beginning in verse 59. It says a, about an hour later, this is an hour later after his second denial of Jesus. About an hour later, another person asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, was with Jesus, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word of the Lord had spoken to him. And he said, before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. So Peter, he went outside and he wept bitterly. He wept bitterly. And Peter failed Jesus. Even when he said, I'll never fail you, he failed him. And he felt himself, and then he realized it, and it broke him. As he looked into his Savior's eyes, it, it broke him. And it says he went outside and he wept bitterly. When the Holy Spirit convicts you of your sin, when you see your failure, it breaks you. And if you haven't really been broken, I question if you have really repented from your sin, if you've really seen it for how bad it is and really for good turned and gone the other way. But Peter he sees his sin. He sees how bad it is and he's broken and he, he weeps and he breaks down. You know, people don't like to talk about sin because it makes us uncomfortable. We're embarrassed and we want to hide it. We don't want to think about it. We don't want to talk about it. But it's conviction over our sin and over the times that we have failed God and failed ourselves and failed others around us. It's conviction over our, our failures that leads to healing in Jesus. When we see the sin, we see our rebellion against God. That's what eventually opens up our heart for God's grace and forgiveness to flood in and wash away our sins. It begins with confession. And then it leads to repentance going a different direction. But it starts with an acknowledgement of our brokenness. And Peter recognizes what he has done and what it's cost him and his Savior that he didn't stand with him in his moment of need. And it breaks him. You know, when, when Jesus told Peter that he would three times deny him, Jesus knew ahead of time before it happened that Peter would do this, which means that when Jesus selected Peter as one of his closest friends and leaders, he knew that one day Peter would betray him. He knew that he would deny him. 
And even though Jesus knew that, he still chose Peter. He still invested in Peter. He still believed in and loved Peter. And listen, here's what I like to say to you this Easter is that that when God made you, when God chose you, he knew that you would let him down. He knew that you would fail. He knew that you would sin against him. He knew what he was getting into and he knew what it would cost to restore you, his, his son. And yet he still said, you're worth it. He knew all about your failures before you knew about them, before they even happened. And God created a future for us knowing that we would have a past. Here's a lesson I'd love for you to write down this Easter. Possessing a past does not disqualify you from your future. Just because you possess a past doesn't mean you can't take hold of the future that God has for you. God knew all about your past, but he still carved out a future hope for you. And God is ready, he's willing, and he's able to help you get through whatever you find yourself struggling with today. And he can help you move forward into the future. No matter how dead you feel this Easter, no matter what inside of you has died, no matter how much you feel like you are lifeless in your faith, God can bring new life into your faith and bring you back to life, bring a resurrection inside of you because it's not over. It's not over. In January uh, of this year, our family had an incredible blessing of getting to travel to New York City for the first time as a family. And we had such a great time there exploring this amazing city. And one of the things that I always hold on to that we got to see was the 9-11 memorial. And you remember the 9-11 attacks on our, our country and and the devastation and the loss of life. And they, they have such a beautiful memorial there and you're in awe of it. But instead of like most tourism things that you're like, wow, this is incredible, amazing. You're just quiet because it is breathtaking, but it's also an awareness of all those who lost their lives in that place. So it's a surreal moment. And we were, we were standing there and, and I looked over to the side near the memorial and I, I see this tree and it's, it's got a little placard next to it. And so we walk over there to check it out and it says survivor tree survivor tree. And I don't know if you've heard about the survivor tree, but it's a legit thing. It's, it's right there next to the World Trade Center Memorial. And, and this, this specific tree is, is very unique. This tree is actually a pear tree that survived the wreckage and the carnage of 9-11. They found this little tree that had roots that had been snapped and the branches had been burned and charred, but it was still alive. It still had a few leaves on it and still looked like it had life. And so when they're cleaning up this whole crazy disaster scene, they take this little tree and they transplant it and and they give it to the New York City uh, Department of Parks and Rec. They, they nurse this thing in, into its, a place of flourishing and life. And, and finally, in 2010, years later, when they feel like it's strong enough, they brought it back to the site of the 9-11 memorial and they planted it. And they put it right there where it still continues to be healthy and flourish. And every year, they take three seedlings from this survivor tree and they ship it out around the world to different places that have had recent tragedies. And they exchange these seedlings of this little baby tree for a commitment from that community that experienced tragedy. They say, we want you to commit to nurture this tree and let it live and let it flourish right there where there was this tragedy as a landmark, as a sign of resiliency and hope. Now, when you hear this story about this this tree that survived this this carnage of 9-11, some of you think about how like, 
Man, that's crazy that that thing still lives. I can't even keep a house plant alive, right? I mean, there's some of you, you have tried and you have tried and you have tried and you can't keep anything alive. Any, any kind of living thing that you try to nurse to life, any try to plant flowers, I mean, it just dies on you. So you can't imagine that there's a tree that survived the destruction that came from these burning and crashing buildings. Yeah, what's amazing to me is that God has the ability to keep something alive even when it's surrounded by ruins, even when it's surrounded by death and destruction. God has the ability to keep something alive and not only keep it alive, but to help it to become flourishing one day and to multiply and spread and to grow. I love the story of the survivor tree because it reminds me so much of our faith and what God can do for us when we feel like we are surrounded by brokenness, our own depravity and the sin all around us in this world. And we are, we are just surrounded by destruction and death. Yet God has the ability right in the middle of that mess to empower us to grow and to flourish and not only to survive, but to thrive and spread his goodness all around this world. God has the power to bring dead things back to life again. God has resurrection power for us. And Jesus said, I am the resurrection. I am the life. That means when you are looking for life among death, if you're looking for life among destruction, it's in Jesus. Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. Now the first look might be painful. Peter looked at Jesus after this third failure when he denied him. And that's what caused him to go down outside and, and break down and, and, and be bitter. In fact, I want to look at that verse again in Luke chapter 22, just for a moment. Luke chapter 22, look at, look at again at verse 61. It says, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. And that's when Peter remembered his words to him. And I'll just kind of try to put myself in this situation and imagine what was happening there. Because when Jesus looked right at him, we know that Jesus didn't look at him like he was surprised, right? Because Jesus already told Peter it was going to happen. And Jesus wasn't the kind of person to rub it in his face like, look, I told you, I told you you were going to fail. No, he believed in people. So he, it wasn't a condemning look. It wasn't a surprised look. You know what I think that look was? I believe that that look when, when Jesus looked at Peter, it was a look like, hey, I, I still believe in you. I know you failed me and I know this is going to hurt for both of us. But look, Peter, I still believe in you. I love, I love you so much, and I have so much more ahead for you if you'll just not give up on me. And, and some of us, we feel like the eyes of the Lord are on us today and on our life because we have failed him time and time again. We have let him down, and this Easter Sunday, which should be a, a day of celebration for us, perhaps it's not fully a moment where you can really celebrate because you're just thinking about all the things that have happened since last Easter and all the ways that you wanted to live for the Lord and all the ways that you didn't follow through and all the ways that you had dropped the ball. And look, Peter had failed Jesus over and over and over again. But Jesus looked at him with these eyes that like, I believe in you. Which by the way, it is so powerful for the people in your life that fail and let you down and disappoint you when you can look at them and not condemn them but believe in them and call out the best in them even when they let you down. That's powerful. And that's the kind of look that Jesus gave Peter. And look, that's the kind of look that Jesus has when he sees you. You can't imagine how much he believes in you. Look, Peter had a, a breakdown here in his, in his journey with Jesus. But this was not the finish line. This was actually gonna be the start line of a whole new journey. In fact, I want you to write this down today too. Breakdown may be the start of my turnaround in Jesus. And breakdown, whatever it is in your life that is broken down, whatever dreams have broken down, whatever you feel like is final and finished, look, this might actually be, be the beginning of a whole new season of your life 
when you look to Jesus. Well, after Jesus is executed on the cross, some time goes by here and he's executed, and then he's resurrected on the third day, he's, he's raised to life, and, and he starts to show himself to his disciples. I, I want to look at the third time he showed himself, and this involved Peter. Now, Peter and the guys, they kind of they gave up, I think. They probably just felt like just giving up. I mean, Peter, how discouraged would he have been, right? I mean, he, he had denied Jesus three times, and his leader was now dead and gone, so he thought. And so he, he goes out to go fishing, right? He, he goes out to go fishing. Let's pick up this, this story in John chapter 21. Look with me, if you will, at verse 3 in this story. John chapter 21, verse 3. He says, I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, we'll go with you. So they went out and they got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Now, hold on just one second. This is insult upon injury, right? Because they're just like, you know what? Like, things are hard. Let's just go back to fishing. We know how to do that. But then they go back to fishing, what they used to be really good at before Jesus made them fishers of men. And, and they can't even do that right, right? I mean, they're catching nothing. I mean, isn't that the worst when things are going bad and then the thing that you thought you could count on or the person you thought you could count on, I mean, they let you down. So now it's just real bad because he's denied Jesus. He's failed and he knows it. And then Jesus is gone, so he thinks, and now he can't even catch fish. One of my favorite all-time country songs is by Brad Paisley. And the first time I heard this song, it's called I'm Gonna Miss Her. I, I think I laughed for a straight half hour. I'm not even exaggerating. I laughed so hard, like a deep belly laugh. Because this, this whole song by Brad Paisley is about this, this guy who loves fishing, but he also loves his girl. But his girl can't stand him fishing because he's always leaving her to go fishing. And so she draws a line in the sand and gives him an ultimatum and says, hey, if you go fishing one more time, when you get home, I'm not going to be here. So the whole song is him singing, well, I'm going to miss her. <laughs> and look at there. I got another bite. And the whole song is just hilarious when you listen to it. But man, I, I kind of feel like Peter is, is like one of those guys. He loves fishing. He's all about fishing. He's going to go back to fishing. He's got nothing else. He feels like everybody else has left him. He's got nothing, but I still got fishing. He goes back to that, and, he, and that's not even going right. Literally everything is failing. Maybe you've been in a dark season of life. Maybe that's where you find yourself today. If not now, maybe you've been there. Maybe you'll be there one day. And you just look around, and nothing is going right. It's just failure. You have let people down. You have hurt yourself in so many ways in your future. And, and you are just disappointed in despair. In verse 4, it says, Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. They'd had a long night, but Jesus was right there. Look at verse 5. It says, Jesus called out to them, Friends, haven't you any fish? <laughs> no, they answered. He said, Throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off. Peter was fishing in his underwear. I think that is hilarious. <laughs> and he jumped into the water. Now, I just let me just pause again for a second here. I, I'm just reading the story, and I'm just thinking, man, this is funny to me because, you know, Peter, he had walked on water with Jesus. And now he sees Jesus on the shore, and he's in the boat. And so all we know that he jumped in the water, and he swam to shore. But what we don't know, did he try to walk on the water first, and then he sank? I mean, I, we don't know, right? Because he walked on water once. He knows what that's like, right? So that's amazing. And so I would imagine, like, he just jumped out. Like, maybe, you know, Jesus is here. Maybe this is my time. And so maybe he jumped out and just kind of ran his legs, and, and he sunk, and he's like, fine, I'll swim. I mean, I just imagine the rest of Peter's life. He probably always wondered every time he's around water. 
could I do it again? Right? I mean, just every time he got in the bath, instead of just jumping in, he probably just put his foot on top of the water, just rested it there, just for a minute, right? Maybe. No, not today. I don't know. But he, he, what we do know is that he, he swam to shore. He swam to shore to Jesus. And look what it says here in verse 8. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about 100 yards. And when they landed, they saw a fire burning with coals, and there was fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. Jesus is there with a breakfast waiting for them. He's, he's there with the fire. He's ready to go. He wants to spend time with them. He wants to restore Peter. And I love that Jesus cared so much about Peter that he sought him out to restore him and to let him know how much he was loved. I love the authenticity of this story and just, just the real moment of Peter. Just forget everything. I'm going back to fishing and it's not going well. And then he sees Jesus and it's like, he is here and he's, he, I have hope still. And even though everything else has been bad, there's still hope alive. And, and you know, maybe, maybe in the season that, that, that you're in right now, maybe you find yourself in a Peter moment where it just feels like it's a long night. It's a long night. They're fishing all night. And you just feel in that place today. Listen, I, I think God brought you here to hear this message this Easter, if that's you or somebody you love. Maybe, maybe you've kind of given up hope because it's been such a long night. Now, our family, we've been to a theme park together a few times, and, and we, we, love, we love to hang out together at a theme park. And, and one of the things that we enjoy doing is we're going to stand in line. We get to hang out and talk together while we're waiting. It's no big deal. We're going to wait a half hour. That's fine. And, but what we like to do is we like to time our wait, right? Because the ride says, hey, 40 minutes, right? And so we'll, we'll start to watch, and, and we'll just, we'll just kind of guess how, how much is the wait going to be. And we'll all throw a guess in and see who's going to be closest. So it says 40 minutes, and I just recently, we were together at a theme park, and I said, I'm going to guess 36 minutes on this ride. And, and, and one of my boys said, well, then I'm going to guess 35 minutes. And one of my other boys said, I'm going to guess 37 minutes. They boxed me in. <laughs> and, so, and so we're waiting, waiting. And maybe you've been in one of these rides, and you've been waiting, and, and you, you kind of were thinking, man, this is going faster than what they said. We're good. But then what happened? Right? There's a, a voice comes over the loudspeaker, and they say, hey, the, the ride has broken down temporarily. So whatever time that you thought it was going to be, it's actually going to be a little bit longer. And, and isn't that the worst? Like when, when you're making progress, right, or it's already been a long night, and, and then you get bad news and bad goes to worse. I mean, Peter experienced that. And if you've experienced that, I really want to emphasize this because I want you to see something here. Even though your dream might have died, even though you think you might have lost a lot of years, even though that person left you that you loved, even though things fell apart or your health, you got bad news. Look, it doesn't matter what dreams inside of you died. Peter knew that a lot of things were going poorly in his life. But once he saw Jesus was still there with him, he knew that he had hope. And that's what I want to emphasize to you this Easter is that no matter what is not with you or who is not with you or what has not happened how you thought it would in your life, as long as you have Jesus in your life, you have resurrection power with you. You have life with you, which means you have hope. Hope was there for Peter and hope is here for you. And here's what I'm trying to say. Dreams can die, but hope is alive. Dreams can die. Your dreams can die. Your world can fall apart. But if you still have Jesus, hope is still alive because hope has a name and his name is Jesus Christ. Peter knew that he had hope because he had Jesus. And his, his death, Jesus' death was, was only the beginning. It wasn't the end. Everyone saw Jesus die and be buried in the tomb, like being zipped up in that body bag. It was done. It was over. The family was notified. But resurrection was coming. 
On the third day, Jesus, just like he said, would, would rise again. I heard someone once say that when Jesus hanging on the cross said, it is finished, and he did say that, he said, it is finished. And they said, he didn't say, I am finished. And, and, I, and I love that because there's seasons in our life that do have a finish line. There's some things in this life that we hold on to that we want that have a finish line. Sometimes that finish line is premature in our opinion. It doesn't end how we thought it would. That thing that we were looking forward to, hoping onto and holding onto, it, it didn't work out, right? And it ended before it should have. And there's finish lines here in this life. And Jesus, his, his earthly life had a finish line. And he said, it is finished. His journey pre-cross, I mean, it was, it was finished. But he did not say, I am finished. He was just beginning his greatest work. Right, I mean, his, his greatest work was restoring humanity through his sacrifice that he made. That epic event, the most important event in history, Jesus' death and resurrection, that would be the start line of all that God would do and is doing and wants to do in you today. Hope was alive because Jesus was alive. And if you have Jesus, you have hope no matter what's broken in your life. No matter what's broken. <laughs> I remember breaking my laptop one year. I was with a group of friends and, and there was a bee in the room. And someone was like, hey, kill the bee. And so I just, the closest thing to me was my closed laptop. And I thought it was gonna be like a baseball bat. I'm gonna swing it and I'm gonna hit this bee. And so I, I swing my laptop, but it slips out of my hand and it flies across the room and it busts. I'm like, that was one of the, the worst decisions I've ever made, just throw my laptop. Right, and it broke, but it, it was broke beyond me fixing. It would have been nice if I could press a few buttons and repair it and get it going again, but it wouldn't power on. I mean, I broke it as I threw it, made a poor choice, and it was broken, and I couldn't fix it. And maybe you've made some choices in your life, and some things are broken, and you don't know how to repair them. You don't know how to put that marriage back together. You don't know how to restore that relationship with your child or your parent that's been broken and you've been distant maybe for some time now. You don't know how to repair that part of your life that just there's been failure after failure. You don't know how to restore it and to rebuild it. What I wanna say to you today is that even though you don't know, there is somebody who knows how to bring life into that thing that has died. And his name is Jesus. And he says, I am, come on, say I am. Yeah, that's, that's what Jesus said. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He can bring with his power, things back to life again. And he has power to raise us to eternal life. Well, Jesus cared so much to have this breakfast with Peter. There's one more part of this conversation I wanna highlight today in, in John chapter 21, if you'll look with me again. In John chapter 21, you know, Jesus really wants to make a statement to Peter because Peter's gonna go on and be an incredible leader in God's kingdom. We're still talking about him today and all, all the work that God did through him. And he would be a leader in God's church, a foundational core leader. But before Peter was ready to leave, like he needed to be restored. He needed to be restored. And so Jesus has this conversation with him and he asked him a question three times. And I wanna begin right before the third time that Jesus asked him the same question, this same conversation that happens multiple times. John chapter 21, I'm gonna pick up this, this story in verse 17. Jesus says to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? It was the third time that Jesus asked him this question, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. 
And then he said to him, follow me, follow me. It's interesting that here Jesus asked this question to Peter three times. And three times Peter had denied Jesus. And three times Jesus asked him this question, do you love me? As if to emphasize with Peter, look, you denied me, but you still love me, right? Yeah, you failed me, but you still love me. And you know that I still love you. And then eventually after that third response around this campfire, and I think this is fascinating too, it happens around this fire and there's these, these fires that were going around when Jesus, you know, he was arrested and before he was crucified and Peter's there hanging around on the, around the fire when he denies him. And in that same moment, I just picture maybe Jesus as he's building this fire, remembering back to that fire that, that Peter had denied him around. And here constructing this same fire, recreating this moment as if to say to Peter in many ways, recreating this situation three times around the fire to say, no matter what level, level of disobedience, no matter what level of denial, no matter what level of failure, my grace is sufficient for you, Peter. No matter what it is that you have done and how far away you've run from me. Listen, he's, he's preaching to you today through his word. No matter what it is and how far away you've drifted from God, today his power is able to restore you, to forgive you, to resurrect what's died in you, and ultimately to resurrect you into eternal life with him for all time. If you will believe, if you like Peter will look to Jesus, and he's just asking asking you this question, do you love me? Do you love me? And Jesus was trying to restore Peter because he cared so much about him. And Peter would grow from a fisherman to an amazing and dynamic Christian leader. He would eventually be crucified with Christ as, as Jesus alluded to here. He, he, he was talking about the death that he would one day die for him. And, and by the way, for those who have real intellectual minds and say, I just can't imagine that this whole resurrection thing happened. There's, there's great scientific and historic reasoning on why the resurrection actually happened, this historical event that's documented. There's, there's so many reasons, but one of my favorite reasons to believe in this is, is this very simple thing. Peter, like many others, would go on, and we know historically that he would die for his faith. And he, like many of these followers, claimed they saw Jesus in the flesh. And you do not die if you are holding on to a lie. When they're about to saw your body in half or nail you up on a cross like they did to these followers in the first century of Jesus, so many of them were crucified in such painful ways or executed in painful ways. And, and not a one of them denied their faith. Every one of them that saw Jesus, every historical account we have, they willingly died and gave their lives to be identified with Jesus and his sufferings for them. Like we saw and we know it's true. Just, just tell us it's a lie and we won't kill you. No, it wasn't a lie, it was true. And every one of them. They showed their faith and they displayed to us the reality of their belief so that it would strengthen our belief. And Peter, he, he was a denier at one point in his life where he would go on to be a proclaimer of the gospel, the good news, and he would leave a lasting legacy. And what I'm trying to, to say today through God's word is that God's resurrection power now is not limited by my failures back then. And I don't know what your history contains. I know that you have a history. I know it's all his story in the end. And his redemption story, uh, one of my friends, Kevin, said that, you know, Peter would have, for the rest of his life, he would have heard a rooster crow. And every time he heard that rooster crow in that agricultural community, it could have reminded him of his three failures. But I think that it reminded him of God's grace. And the three times that Jesus said to him, do you still love me? 
You still love me because I believe in you. Go out on mission. Be a leader, Peter. Go feed my sheep. Go lead my kids because I believe in you and I have a future hope for you. And if you feel dead inside today, disappointment, disillusionment, discouragement, you've maybe run from God. You've run from his plans for you. You've given up on his plans for you. If you feel like there's no life left in your faith today, if you would just do like Peter and look to Jesus, he can bring faith back to life inside of you. And he's offering his hand of forgiveness and restoration to you this Easter. His hand of help and his hand of strength and hope to whatever you need. And for those of you who have received that, this is a great celebration for us today to thank him for all he's done for us. How he never, like Peter, never gave up on you. Think back to your story. Think to all the different ways it could have gone, but yet Jesus was always there for you, reaching out a hand of grace. And so many times you may have given up on him, but he never, ever once gave up on you. It's an amazing thing thing to celebrate the fact that Jesus resurrected from the grave and we should celebrate wildly but I think what's even more important is that Jesus and what we should celebrate is the resurrection inside of us not just the historical event but what that made possible the resurrections of our soul as we look to him for forgiveness and grace and as he always has a yes waiting for us every time we ask well, whatever your future plans are today I'm just telling you with Jesus they can be better whatever in your past needs to be forgiven, God can forgive it. And that resurrection power of Jesus, it will one day raise us from the grave as well. As you can see in God's word in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, look with me at verse 14. God's word says so clearly, it says, by his power, come on, say power. Yeah, by his power, his amazing power, God raised the Lord from the dead and he will raise us also. That same power that raised Jesus from the grave will raise us. We can have confidence that when we die, if we have looked to Jesus and confessed our sins, I'm a sinner, like Peter, I've failed. If we look to him and confess our sins and we receive him into our life, I don't wanna be the Lord and the leader of my life anymore. I wanna turn it over to you, Jesus. I want you to be the leader of my life. I receive you into my life. It tells us when we confess our sins and receive him, he forgives us and adopts us into the family of God, and we can know that we have an inheritance in God in heaven for all of eternity. Our family, when we went over to Orlando recently, uh, we'd, we'd been working real hard all, all year. We had a lot going on, and, and my wife, Jennifer, is just so good at just kind of sensing in our family what's happening. She's like, hey, you know, we just need a couple days as a family just to pull back and to rest a little bit. And so we had, had some, some points saved up, and I got on my app, and I, I, I booked a hotel. And, and I remember because we had stayed there before uh, a few times over the years that we lived in Florida, and, and it's always been a highlight for our kids. You know, they have an amazing pool at this hotel. You walk into the lobby. You know, there's this parrot, you know, in the lobby. It's so cool. And, and then they got a, a lake out back with kayaks and, and they got a good breakfast there. I mean, there's all these things that we were so excited about. And so I booked the hotel. We, we headed over after we finished our work for the weekend. We were so excited for a little getaway with the family. And so we get over to Orlando and we're pulling on property and we get the little gate at the front of the property. And, and the gentleman, like before, he, he said, hey, hey, tell me your, your name. And he pulls out his list. That says Brandon Bruce. And he's looking and he's looking. It's taking a long time. And, and before, I don't remember ever taking this long, but he's just looking. He's like, what was your name again? I said, it was Brenda Bruce. And, and he's looking and he, he can't find my name on the list. And he says, sir, I, I know you're here to check in, but I don't see you here. But, but you know, why don't you go ahead and go up to the front desk anyway and you just ask him up there. 
And so I look at my app and I, I got a reservation. So I'm good with it. That was weird, but I'm good. And so we drive up to the front of the hotel and, and I go into the lobby and I, I walk up to the, the person at the front desk, very confident, knowing that I have a reservation. I have confidence because I know what I've done. And so I walk up to the, to the front desk and I say, I have a reservation. My name is Brandon Bruce. And they look on their computer and they're like, Sir, I'm so sorry, but we don't see you anywhere in our computer. What is your name again? How do you spell it? So I'm spelling out my name, B-R-A-N-D-O-N, and they cannot find it anywhere in the computer. And so now I'm a little concerned, and she said, let's, let's take a closer look. And so we, we, we look at my app, and, and there's the picture of the pool, right? And, and there's a picture of the hotel, but as we look a little bit closer, it's not the same hotel, not the one I meant to book. I booked a different one. It looked similar, but it was a different hotel. And she says, sir, I'm sorry, but you can't stay here tonight because your name is not on the list. You don't have a reservation. And so I had to go out to the car and tell my kids, hey, guys, I know how excited you were to go down that water slide. And I know how excited you were to stay here tonight. But dad booked the wrong hotel. Our names are not on the list. We can't stay here tonight. And God's word in Revelation chapter 20, verse 15, it says, anyone whose name was not written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Heaven is going to be amazing. We're talking something so much better than water slides and good food. I mean, it's a paradise that you can't imagine, but God's word says if your name is not on God's list, if your name is not written in his book of life, you don't have a reservation and you won't get in. It doesn't matter how good of a person you were or how good of a life you lived, you don't have a reservation. And not only will you not get into heaven, but it says you'll be thrown into the lake of fire. There's a lot of people that'll try to tell you, tell you that there's no hell in, in, in eternity. It's not something you have to worry about. Let's not talk about hell. That's like old school. Look, the Bible couldn't be more clear on this topic. There's all, all kinds of ways we could try to justify it and get around it, but it is so clear. It says those whose names were not written in the book of life did not get into heaven and they were thrown into the lake of fire. And, and your name, if it's not on God's list, like you might be confident like I was confident. Yeah, I knew I had a reservation, right? And maybe you've believed generally, you've kind of had a general faith and believed in God. You may have prayed and attended church every once in a while, but if you have not believed in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, if you have not received his payment, paid for your sin on that cross and said, Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need a savior. If you have not made that decision and responded to his gift of grace, look, look he cannot decide for you. He cannot decide for you. You have to make the decision. He's already decided what he thinks about you and he loves you no matter what your failures, no matter what you believed about him or haven't believed, no matter what you've done, he's decided he loves you and believes in you. But you have to make the decision to believe in him, to turn your life over to him, to turn from sin and turn to Jesus. We're not talking about a generic belief or maybe just a little emotional moment. We're talking about a genuine belief. Look at Peter, when he looked at Jesus, it broke him in that moment of conviction because he looked at his sin, he looked at his denial, he he looked at all the damage that had been done and he went outside and he wept bitterly because he saw his sin. He knew he was a sinner. Have you come to the place where you realize it's not just that you've been a bad person, but that you have died inside. You, you've lived a self-centered life. You've lived a life for yourself. It was about you, what you wanted to do. You've rejected God, this creator who loved you and, and you're headed for a spiritual death. When you recognize where you're headed, when you recognize what you've done, it breaks you. But that breakdown, I'm telling you, is the beginning of a turnaround if you'll look to Jesus today. And you'll say, Jesus, I am a sinner, and I'm a broken man, I'm a broken woman, and I need help. And as you look to Jesus for his hand of grace, I'm telling you, it'll be there for you. But you've got to look to him, and you've got to say, Jesus, I need you. And you know what? He will forgive you every time because he's a God of grace. And this Easter Sunday could be your Easter. This could be your day of forgiveness 
and grace as you look to Jesus. You know, my hope is that this Easter could be the beginning, not the end. Jesus says it, it was finished, but he was not finished with you. And this could be the beginning of a whole new journey as you look to him, our Lord and Savior. Right on, right on. Come on, let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you so much for your amazing grace for us. We thank you that, Jesus, you didn't give up on us. Just like Peter, you looked at us in the middle of our failure, but you said, I still believe in you. And God, we know you want us to believe in you, but thank you that you believe in us. You don't give up on us. And, and Jesus, this Easter, many of us are celebrating because we know that that life that is in us is from you, Jesus. You are the life. And we know that one day we will be resurrected because our name is in that book. We believed in you. And Jesus, you were so kind and gracious to us to forgive us and to receive us. And we've been adopted into your family. And so we thank you for that. And many of us are celebrating today because of what resurrection means to us and what it means for our future. But God, for anyone who's hearing this message today that doesn't believe in you, Jesus, for anyone who has had a general belief, but they've never come to that point like Peter, where they've looked to you, Jesus, as their savior to save them from their sin. I pray that in this moment, God, you would convict them and that they would see their need for you. And while we're still praying, if that's you today, I wanna to give you an opportunity to look to Jesus and just say, Jesus, yes. Jesus, you have my yes. I, I say yes to you and I say no to sin. I'm turning to you, Jesus. I wanna live for you. And in your own way, in your own words, just today, just say, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I receive you into my life. I want to know my name is in that book. I want to know where I'm going, that I have a reservation in heaven. I want to know that you're with me here and now as my father. And he will adopt you as his son as you turn to him and say, Jesus, forgive me. His son, his daughter, all you have to do is ask for forgiveness. Turn your life over to him today. Believe in Jesus. And Jesus, we thank you for those of us who've made that decision. What an incredible day that was. God, you saved us from an eternity without you. And you've given us an eternal hope in you. So we thank you today, this Easter Sunday. We celebrate wildly because of what you did back then, but God, also for what you're doing right here and right now inside of us. We praise your name, Jesus, and we give you amazing praise for your grace this Easter. It's in your wonderful name we pray. Amen.